Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know we're now halfway through the Men's Football World Cup in Qatar. It's a tournament that's been marred by controversies. People are rightly conflicted by the host country's attitudes towards women, the disabled, the LGBTQ community and the foreign workers whose lives have been lost in the build-up to the tournament. But there is another problem perpetuated by the World Cup, which hasn't had much coverage – and it's an issue that Witch Investigates can give a unique perspective on. It's estimated that three million people wanted tickets for the World Cup. And whenever a large number of people want something, be it tickets, COVID tests, or just information about their energy bills, scammers see an opportunity for exploitation. Earlier this year, Action Fraud revealed that almost 5,000 people in the UK had fallen victim to ticket fraud in the most recent financial year. If you multiply that by 32, the number of nations that are taking part in the tournament, you'll get an idea of the scale of the problem. I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, Are fraudsters ruining football? Investigates is brought to you by the UK's consumer champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. We've got new episodes out every fortnight, diving deeper into the issues that matter. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, give us a shout on social at WitchUK or email us at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up, we get inside the head of a scammer. If you're in the mentality of a cyber criminal, you are looking for major events or areas of interest that would increase your success rates. And what better way is that than the FIFA World Cup? We hear the tactics they use to trick us out of our cash. There would be loads of pressure selling techniques. You'd have no idea who you were buying from. No transparency, which is a clear route to criminality and fraud in my book and how their ruthless behaviour leaves so many people out of pocket. Fraudsters will always find what's the thing that people actually want. You want to go and watch the rugby, you might want to go to a concert. They'll look for anything where there's a demand for it here. And fraudsters will just adapt. It's very easy for them and they will wait for someone to come along and say, I need that, I want that, I want it now. It's not your usual World Cup, is it? It's December, there are no screenings in sunny beer gardens and there's a distinct lack of England flags hanging from people's windows. But there is one thing that's familiar, 
and that's the criminals who are trying to scam the fans. Before the tournament began, FIFA, who organise it, warned fans against buying tickets on secondary ticketing sites, many of whom were offering lavish corporate packages for tens of thousands of pounds. I'm going to have a browse myself to see what comes up when I search for tickets. I've searched Football World Cup tickets on Google. First up is a link to what looks like a secondary ticketing site, but it's not one I've heard of before. I'll click it, see if they've got any tickets for the final. A bit of scrolling and I can see one being offered for 1.9k. Pretty steep. And as I later discover, it's almost four times what I would have paid for the most expensive tickets on the official FIFA website, which strangely appears much further down in the Google search results. It's still very confusing and partly it's down to companies like Google. There's a lot more that could be done to make the ticket buying process more straightforward, more understandable and easier to navigate. This is Adam Webb. He heads up Fanfare Alliance, an organisation that's campaigning against profiteering in the secondary ticketing market. Let's be clear about what we mean by secondary ticketing. On the face of it, it's simple. Someone buys a ticket for, in this case, a football match, but it could also be for a gig or a trip to the theatre. Something comes up and they can no longer go, so they put the ticket back up for sale using a third-party site to help them find a buyer. As we've heard, these sites often appear high up in online searches and with hugely inflated ticket prices. When you've got high demand mainstream events, particularly where the terms and conditions of sale are pretty loose, so where there's a lot of ticket touting, you'll get people, more mainstream consumers who don't buy many tickets, who aren't familiar with the names of these websites, they just fall into the same traps time and time again. There are two issues at play here. The first is the profiteering by the people selling legitimate tickets. And the second is when scammers strike. Scams overall have continued to grow year on year in the United Kingdom. And it's something that does worry me because we're seeing more and more people unfortunately become victims. And in particular, when we're thinking about tickets and maybe football tickets in particular here, we've seen a rise. And, you know, we look back at the sort of second part of last season and we saw uh, scams for football tickets rise by about two thirds in the latter part of the last season here. And we continue to see in this year's season a continued rise and, and high volumes of ticket scams. This is Liz Ziegler, Director of Fraud and Financial Crime at Lloyds Bank. Earlier this year, they carried out their own research on the cost of fraud for fans in a bid to warn supporters against using unofficial outlets to buy tickets this season. Their figures went a long way to revealing the extent to which supporters have been left out of pocket. We see typically somebody who's trying to buy a ticket online for a football game lose usually a couple of hundred pounds in the process. But I've also seen cases, particularly for some of the big matches towards the end of the season and the finals for thousands of pounds and people losing thousands of pounds. And that's often because they're rushed into making that purchase. You know, I've got one ticket left. It's the last one available. You've got to buy it now. This point about where demand is high and supply is scarce, people can charge what they want. But unfortunately, that's exactly how fraudsters lure you in as well here because by that point you're there you're committed you want to make that purchase you want to follow your team you want to make it to the final here and sometimes your heart leads and unfortunately your head catches up later when you realize hang on a second was that really somebody who was actually selling me a ticket 
As Adam explained to me, there are certain tactics that these sellers deploy time and time again. There would be loads of pressure selling techniques or fake bars and sort of loading screens. And there'd also be no transparency. So you'd have no seat numbers, you'd have no face values, you'd have no idea who you were buying from. So peer-to-peer commerce, but with no transparency, which is a clear route to criminality and fraud in my book. There's plenty of research looking at the human mind and our compulsion to buy, especially when our senses are heightened by the tactics Adam just described. Back in 1996, Ari Kruglansky and Donna Webster published a paper in Psychological Review describing a motivational concept called need for closure. It's the degree to which we humans need to finish a decision process and take an action. And of course, retailers are wise to this need. You'll have seen it over Black Friday the other week. But in the case of tickets specifically, criminality is never far away. I'm going to tell you Sarah's story now. That isn't her real name. She's one of the many thousands of football fans who find themselves scammed every year. Her story is voiced by a member of the Witch Investigates team. I was looking to buy football tickets for the Liverpool versus Man City FA Cup semi-final game on April the 16th, which is my birthday. As a lifelong Liverpool fan who lives in London, it felt like it was meant to be. I saw a few people selling tickets on Twitter, so I messaged a guy who seemed very real. He gave me references of people who had bought of him before, so I messaged them to find out more information before sending the money over to an account he gave me, which was claiming to be his boss. I paid £80 for two tickets. I was waiting every day for the tickets to come in the post and it wasn't until I saw two other people tweeting him to find out where their tickets were that I realised it was fake. I didn't report it to the police as I was absolutely mortified and instead spoke to the bank, but they couldn't help me. Now, this is a story that strikes a particular chord with me, as I had a very similar situation about 10 years ago when I bought what I believed were Stevie Wonder tickets from a woman on Facebook who turned out to be a scammer. It's a really horrible feeling, so thanks to Sarah for sharing her story with us. Our scammers targeted us on social media, which can be a hotbed for fraudsters. Fraudsters will always find what's the thing that people actually want. You want to go and watch the rugby. You might want to go to a concert. They'll look for anything where there's a demand for it here. Um, And fraudsters will just adapt. It's very easy for them. And they will wait for someone to come along and say, I need that. I want that. I want it now. It makes me wonder whether our tendency towards digital transactions and faceless purchases is leaving us more vulnerable to fraud. So I caught up with Manish Gohill, a cyber expert at Dragonfly Intelligence. He told me how scammers use technology for their own gain. Some of the main ways in which cyber criminals do target people, particularly around events, is by disseminating malicious scams, particularly through text message and email-based phishing campaigns, using kind of luring subject lines and information to try to entice the end user to perhaps provide personal information or financial information, such as bank account details, but also to click on any malicious links where potential cyber criminals can gain access into kind of a device. We've all been there, haven't we? We receive a text or an email. They can look incredibly realistic, 
And when emotions are high, when you really want tickets to something, it's not surprising so many people are taken in. Attackers may set up fraudulent websites, for example, around the World Cup impersonating FIFA or match ticket sellers in order to entice users to give up you know, financial information and personal information. But it's not only through this method, for example, fake applications that people may install onto their device thinking that these are legitimate. If you're in the mentality of a cyber criminal, you are looking for major events or areas of interest that would increase your success rates. And what better way is that than the FIFA World Cup? It's a dark landscape where scammers often have the upper hand. But could technology offer the solution to tackling these crimes? I'll have more after this. Hello, I'm Lucia, the host of the Witch Money podcast. Each week, we're here with the very best advice to help you through the cost of living crisis and make your money go further. With new episodes out every Friday, we cover everything from energy bills to pensions and property to help you get the best deals and ensure you're not getting ripped off. Just search Witch Money wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Witch Investigates, I'm uncovering how fraudsters manipulate major sporting events for their own financial gain. Cybercrime expert Manish Gohill mentioned fishing earlier, and he wasn't referring to the sport. Fishing is really a social engineering technique where you will have an attacker who will send a fraudulent message or an email or a text message, for example, intended to kind of trick the end user, the person into revealing sensitive information, or in order to facilitate the attacker to deploy any malicious software or malware onto the end user's device. Liz Ziegler from Lloyds Bank has seen this time and time again. It is easy for fraudsters to set up fake websites. There's been, and there continues to be a lot of work being done across and with peer banks to try and influence particularly the big tech sector, you know, the big providers of search engines, to try and enforce and force them to be able to put in place measures to stop these websites being set up here. And in particular, you might be aware that the online safety bill is going through Parliament at this point in time. I know it's been sort of ups and downs and ins and outs with it at this point in time, but it's particularly important that the protections that we need, and particularly for big tech and the telco sector, all to take responsibility to help prevent these frauds and these scams. Because at the end the day, we want to stop this happening. We don't want anybody to become a victim of fraud. We'll come back to the online safety bill later on, as it's a piece of legislation we've been helping to shape here at Witch. First, though, here's Adam from Fanfare Alliance again, who agrees that the major tech companies have an important role to play. People don't understand Google advertising. Unfortunately, they trust Google and they trust the top search result. So most people click through They see tickets there. Quite often it will be for a high demand event where they haven't been able to get tickets in the primary market. They click through and it's only when they either receive the ticket or they have problems accessing an event or getting their ticket that they realise what they've done. This summer, a witch investigation found that major sites like Google, Facebook and Trustpilot were easy to infiltrate with fake reviews. The reviews are often bought by scam companies to help boost their listings and search results. In one example, we found a single broker who claimed to have created nearly 16,000 reviews for 570 different customers. 
So it's completely feasible that some of these dodgy reviews could have been used to sell fake tickets. At the time, a Meta spokesperson said it was investigating the accounts we flagged and has dedicated extensive time and resources to tackling the issue and that fraudulent and deceptive activity is not allowed on the platform. Google said its policies clearly state reviews must be based on real experiences and that it takes swift action when these are violated. It said it monitors 24-7 for fraudulent content and encourages users and business owners to flag suspicious activity. And Trustpilot told us it's continually working to ensure appropriate action is taken against attempts to manipulate reviews. to pivot a bit now and look at possible solutions to the problem of ticketing fraud. It's clear that scammers use technology to their advantage, but could a certain development in the world of crypto be helping to turn the tide? It's time to welcome back a friend of ours. My name's Gavin Brown and I'm an Associate Professor in Financial Technology at the University of Liverpool. You might remember, Gavin, from our episode on cryptocurrencies a few months ago. We touched on the idea that using digital cash might help deter scammers. So what do we think? This is where we sort of link quite nicely into what are known as NFTs. So NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. I guess you might describe them as a digital certificate to prove authenticity of any particular ownership or right. That might be a ticket to an event, or it might be ownership of a digital asset, or maybe even a physical real world asset. They're hosted and controlled on something called a blockchain, which is also something which tends to underpin many different types of cryptocurrency, but they can also be used to host these certificates known as NFTs. I've said it before and I'll say it again. NFTs are confusing. I really like the way a colleague described them to me the other day as being like a piece of art, for example, the Mona Lisa. There's only one physical version, but that doesn't stop it from being republished on, say, fridge magnets. In the ticketing world, though, there's one important thing that's worth knowing. If you look at tickets, you could say that a ticket is a non-fungible token. It's a non-copyable receipt for something that you bought, in this case, a seat at a football match. And the ticket is used to provide proof that you have the right to access that seat. So a digital NFT is arguably an improved version of that printed ticket. Whoever issues the ticket in the form of an NFT means that they can actually track that journey of that ticket. They can see when it's been resold. They can actually put permissions on whether it can be resold or not. They could set a price ceiling to say that not only when a ticket is issued at a certain price, they could say, yes, it might be permitted to be resold, but only up to a certain value. And obviously we've all been made aware of ticket scalpers and fraudsters and touts, etc. Well, this extra utility or function of an NFT means that the actual artist or the event that's issuing their tickets in the form of an NFT gives them an extra layer of control and also the ability to seize some of those extra profits, which for the moment might actually be going into the hands of touts, scalpers and similar sorts of actors in the ticketing space. So this would make it impossible for me to pay that sky-high price I was quoted for that ticket back at the beginning of the episode. And because the journey of that ticket would be traceable, the trail would lead us right back to either a scammer or a genuine seller. 
The NFL in the US has already been issuing different types of NFT tickets to many of its matches. Uh, the Paris Olympics is also announced that they'll be trialing and using NFTs as a potential ticketing solution. And Gavin has faith. It will drive down fraud. It will drive down the potential to be scammed or even just extorted. So receiving a genuine ticket for an overinflated price. Now, there are, of course, many concerns about cryptocurrency, and we looked at these in detail in our crypto episode. I'll put a link to that in the description in case you want to give it a listen. So does Manish share Gavin's optimism? I think technology can help as a solution, but only to some extent. When we look at the success of cyber criminality, particularly around phishing scams, a lot of times it is down to a person's digital literacy or awareness or awareness of what may be a legitimate email or text message, for example, and what may be a malicious scam. I think in many cases, and what we do see around cyber threats and why these are successful is largely down to human error. According to IBM's Cybersecurity Intelligence Index report, 95% of all successful cyber breaches are as a result of human mistakes, like clicking a fraudulent link or a dodgy pop-up. And by happily letting the internet facilitate almost all of our transactions, it's easy to let your guard down. Most people use the internet. Most people are comfortable in some way interacting online, looking stuff up, making purchases online. But often it's faceless. You don't see the person. You're trusting, frankly, a piece of technology and you're trusting that there is somebody, the other end of it, who is the person you want to to buy something through here. So look, it's a double-edged sword here. It helps us go about our daily lives. But also sometimes we've got to say, hang on, I need to put the brakes on here. I need to think about this. I need to just stop for a moment and say, do you know what? I'm going to check a review. I'm going to check what somebody else has said. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look at that website and go, do you know what? Does it look legitimate? Liz makes valid points, but it is worth remembering that not all reviews are trustworthy. But the online safety bill could go a long way to making a difference, at least here in the UK. And after years of campaigning, by which and other organisations, the government's agreed to include fraudulent paid-for adverts on both social media and search engines into its remit. Once the bill's passed, this will mean companies have to clamp down on ads that have unlicensed financial promotions and fraudsters who impersonate legitimate businesses and ads for fake companies. It can't happen soon enough. I asked Adam for his thoughts on the plans and whether he thinks the reforms will help rein in the scammers and profiteers of tickets. I'm generally quite positive about what's happened in the UK. And there has been a bit of a crackdown on secondary sites. These sites have been around for 10, 15 years now. They're not particularly innovative businesses. With the reforms still a way off, it's important we keep our wits about us whenever we're buying tickets, no matter how desperate we are to get hold of them. As we wrap up today, I wanted to ask Liz for her own advice. If you're going online to make a purchase, my advice would always be use your debit or credit card. Somebody will ask you for those 16 digits at the front because it's much harder for a merchant to set up, be able to take payments by card, and they're more likely to be a genuine seller to start with. Secondly, look for others saying this person's never sent me the tickets or they're a fraudster, do your research here. And also, you know, when you're being rushed into making that purchase quickly, 
that's another red flag. Just be cautious. You might want that ticket for that game. You might think it's all going here. But do you know what? It pays just to take your time, be cautious and check first of all. If you buy tickets, but you're not happy with them or they don't turn up, we've got a handy guide on the Witch website that explains your consumer rights. I'll pop a link to it in the show notes for today's episode. As this podcast hits the airways, the World Cup in Qatar still has a couple of weeks to run. So it goes without saying that if you do fancy a trip to Doha for the final and you see some tickets for a price that looks mm, too good to be true, they probably are. And if the worst does happen and you think you've been scammed, this is what you should do. If you think you have become a victim of a scam, please contact your bank quickly. The quicker you do that, the quicker that the bank can help you and see if they can recover any of those monies that have been transferred elsewhere. But the key point is get hold of that bank quickly and they will take you through the steps that they will need to understand to help you potentially recover some money. We've got a really useful scam alerts email here at Witch. It goes out every week with details about the latest scams doing the rounds so that you know what to look out for. To sign up, go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alerts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Witch Investigates. It's our Christmas special in a few weeks, and we're going to be answering your questions. So if there's anything you've heard in a previous episode, or there's just something on your mind that you'd like to ask us, give us a shout on social media or over email. Our email address is podcasts at witch.co.uk. If you're enjoying our podcast, please do leave us a rating and a review. We've also got other podcasts, The Witch Money Pod and Witch Shorts, and you can search for these wherever you're listening. As well as our Scam Alerts email, we've also got other newsletters that are totally free and packed with useful advice and tips to make your money go further. You can find them all at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Farrell, written and produced by Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer, and our executive producer is Angus Farker. As always, a special thanks this week to everyone here at Witch, and I'll be back soon for our next investigation. <laughs>